The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. My name is Gilles Berthaud. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Livestorm, and I've been on the Startup Secret Show, and you should listen to it because we're going to talk about growth going from a product, a final exam project to an actual product with 130 people behind and a growth from 1,000 customers to 5,000 customers in one year. So my very special guest today, and I'm going to mess his name up to start with, so I'm just going to have a go at it, is Gilles Vertras. There you go. See, I stuffed it up. <laughs> close enough. I've seen I reckon I've got close. So me. tell me what yeah, yeah. how you actually pronounce your name so we get this right. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to hold, go all French and pronounce it the right way. So it's Gilberto. Gilberto. So you see, it was close enough. It's good. It's good. good right? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, interesting thing, I was looking at your um, at your software today and I actually signed up for a free trial and everything. So I, I sort of uh, had a little play around with, with what you do. So basically you you produce, you have an online, um, I think, guess webinar platform or, or meetings platform mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it looked pretty cool. So I had a bit of a look around. So Thank you. What did you, is this kind of like your first venture in, into the world of SaaS in terms of providing online software or where did you come from to get to here? I, I come from school, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is this this is my first company. Right. Uh, actually, the, the the stuff that you saw on the website is mm-hmm. the result of a final exam project from school. Wow. So everything you must have passed. Back, like <laughs> you must have passed the exam, did you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got I got a good grade, so I at least I got that from from that venture, you know, a good grade in school. <laughs> but no, yeah, it was. Um, I made like actually three co-founders. I met them in school back in college. So that was um, wow, shit, that was five years ago now, and uh, and yeah, and we had to do this. Uh, product you know it's, it's a web school essentially you don't know how to do marketing design dev and whatnot and um, you have to produce an actual product get some actual users write a business plan just like it was as if you were going to launch the whole thing yeah. and uh and turns out i mean we I'm, I'm, i can i can go on on this story but essentially when we when we present the results we have to we use on product stream on presentation like we're doing now and um we have like 10, 100 people coming, connecting and watching us. And then the rest of the teams presenting say, oh, why don't you stream us too? Because we want people to see from the outside what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And out of a sudden, we spend eight, 10 hours actually streaming with hundreds of people connecting with something that we built like in a month. Well, and we're like, wow, okay. So perhaps we made something people like, okay, uh, we're going to go from student to unemployed. That's pretty much the same lifestyle. You know, let's try it out. Let's see, let's see how that goes. And that, that was the start of everything. Wow. And so it's interesting that you're sort of like, um, 
in some respects it was accidental but then by yeah. setting up the planning and the process it actually you know almost became a truth truth out of the reality that's pretty crazy i know my son did a, a, a similar kind of project when he was in grade 12 i think where he uh, he basically had to come up with a business idea and stuff like that and he wanted to do translation services and in, in wow. stuff like that and he's still mad keen on it. He still does it in, in his part time. I said, I think you'll never make any money out of it. it. Sounds like a hard job, but you know, what I mean, like, <laughs> he had to write a whole business plan around it. So it's, it's it's good to see that you know that's a real world sort of experiment at the end of the day that taught you something. So when yeah. you left, then you basically had something to start with. That's quite amazing. And I think when you think about it, it is probably like the most interesting time because. Um, as I said, you don't have anything to lose, right? Um, you mentioned you, yeah, you said, you continues working on this project, and we 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 went with that mindset. We're gonna keep working on this project, see how that goes. And worst case scenario is if that doesn't take off, or we, you know, we, you know, it, it doesn't work out. We actually worked on something that is actually valuable. We don't have anything to lose. We didn't have a family. We didn't have any, mm. anything to support. So it was, it was fairly easy, and we were in a really lucky position to do it. So, timing matters, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess when the current pandemic, it also gives you know you probably get more <laughs> visiting your site than ever because I know like the likes of Zoom and those sort of guys, they really had to pump up their resources in terms of managing that whole. Group. Yeah. Speaking of timing, that was uh, that was another one. No, well, you know, I mean, uh, this whole ride has been like a succession of, I would say, I was going to say good events for us but mm -hmm. let's not talk about the pandemic as a as a nice event let's just say that we were on a good side of the road here and it's, it's just like the succession of lucky happening for us and um 2020 was just insane we you know to give you the context we raised in early january of 2020 we we have raised uh, series a six months ago and we have a thousand ish customer something around that and and we go into March, you know, first lockdown. We don't know the lockdown is coming up. We don't know there is an actual pandemic going on. And March is always a good month. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, we always like this um, really good numbers to show off in, in March. But the thing is, whenever I refresh the, the, the dashboard, I see numbers go up. And I'm like, what? Is this a bug? Oh, what? What is happening? <laughs> Something's, <know>? going <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> Something's going wrong. Something's going wrong. And I'm like, Okay, so we're getting some good traction, and then I'm like, no, this is not good traction. This is a freaking wall we're hitting, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and you know, from mid March up until I don't know, well, end of May, we go from a thousand ish customers to uh, three thousand customers, something wow. around that. So we tripled customer base and revenue in um, yeah in less than three months, and you know it's nice, it's so cool and it's insane, but it's came with a lot of a lot of shitty problems on top of that. You know, like, yeah, yeah, um, growth, yeah, success it, problems, right? Problem. It doesn't mean uh, success or failures. You know, it still causes lots of problems. Absolutely, in French we say this is rich people problems, and it's actually it is exactly sad. We, you know, the architecture. You have this good architecture because it, it, the product's not built to absorb like two thousand, you know, five hundred or three thousand customers in two months. That's just not going to happen. So we have to scale the architecture. Then. Um, you have a small customer support team that handles like 2000 conversations or four of them 
and all of a sudden they have twenty thousand conversations and then you know like their house starts getting into fire and then you yeah. have to and so that's customers uh, that don't get support so you end up in, in a worse situation because then you know they'll bad mouth you or whatever and absolutely like, yeah. absolutely and then you, you have to 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 think and, and you know hiring is not an option because when you want to hire you know that person is gonna come through the door maybe in two months and it's gonna be too late so you have to find ways to do with whatever you have now so that was yeah, that was a wild ride. The first three months of lockdown was a wild ride. But at the end of the day, for 2020, we went from, you know, uh, 1,000 to uh, almost 5,000 now. So it was uh, it was a 400, uh, yeah, 450% growth in one year. So it was a decent year for me. <laughs> right. so, did, so you raised capital for this. I think I've noticed on your website, you did some capital risings. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing is, uh, after the first lockdown, we decided to, we need to hire because we were, you know, we didn't have the resources to handle that kind of thing. So we need to hire. We needed uh, management because one thing we realized is that as a founder, we were still managing a lot of things. And we needed actual people to help us delegate that management uh, burden in a way. So um, we hired middle management, we hired people. So at the end of the day, we went from 30 people being in a journey to 86 at the end of the year. And in order to support that, plus to support also the momentum, because we wanted to keep the, this trend, this tailwind going on, we need to raise capital. So during summer, we did some research. We had a lot of inbounds that so we met a lot of people, obviously. And uh, But the good thing is, at the end of the day, our investors, they knew the product, they knew the ambition, they knew the buy-in, the vision, I mean. So they just like put a bunch of money on the table and say, you know what, don't think about it. Just take the money and move on, you know. And uh, again, super timing, super lucky, you know, in our eyes. So I'm really grateful. So and we raised a um, $30 million. Right? Wow. And so, are you giving up a fair chunk of the company for that, or is that is that something that is a reasonable sort of you can you can sleep at night and think that you right you know gave enough away that it that it matters? Yeah, no, no, you know what I think. Uh, given the tailwind, given the context, I think we were also in a good position for negotiation. We were in a good position for all sort of things. So. Honestly, we it was like really market practice in terms of, in terms of how it was normal round normal round dilution, uh, so nothing really fancy here. Right. Um, I, I'm not really able to talk about the number of dilution because obviously I'm, um, I'm I cannot disclose that kind of thing. But you know, from a market perspective, it was really really standard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean that's the end of the day. So it's, it's always a trade off when someone comes along and says, "I can't give you money." There's always a there's always strings attached. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's 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 the word of capital, yeah. you know. You know, they, they just um, they give you a bunch of money, they give you resources, network, and everything else. So they want to be part of the ride, and to be part mm-hmm. of the ride, you you know, you have to give up a fair chunk of uh, of equity, obviously. But um, that's that's the VC world. That's how VC back company mm-hmm. works, and this is why they can actually go so fast. But you know, there is indeed a price to pay. But mm-hmm. yeah. Willing to pay the price. So, in terms of your software, what is what, how does it differentiate in the marketplace? What do you use as your you know your differences say between Zoom or Webinar Jam or whatever it's called next week? You know, like like what, <laughs> branch out yourself because I think I'm changing their names. <laughs> I, I think you actually kind of responded to your own question by saying, saying like there is. Um, a single, you know, there is like every single week you have a new video product popping up every week, right? Like, uh, and 
And the fact is uh, that video is becoming kind of a commodity. I mean, you have a lot of video products, products are integrating video into their own software and building video is getting cheaper, even free because you have open source frameworks. So video is not so much the focus and should not be the focus. And for us, it's not really the focus. And the way we sell at Livestorm is say, you know what? What's important for us is everything that is around video. So the first layer is interaction. How do you make sure you're going to engage your audience in the most, um, uh, the most fun way or the most like interactive way? So chat, polls, questions, but also how do you go beyond um, webcam and screen sharing? So have a Google Doc integration, Miro, Figma, if you're a designer, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So interaction. The second layer that we want to work on is how do you how do we make your life easier into organizing an event, whatever that is, and whoever you are. So if you're going to work in accounting or marketing, we're going to provide the same tools so you have everything built in, everything out of the shelf from promotion, landing pages up to um, analytics and retargeting options. And everything is automated. You don't have to ask marketing or IT for something. You just have everything built in. And the third layer that we want to work on is integrating really deeply with your tools. Because if you work in HR or if you work in marketing, you're going to use different set of tools. And we want to be working with both population. We want to integrate with their own way of working. And um, so we want to provide as many integrations as possible and build the biggest ecosystem of um, connectors. So you see that what I'm describing here is everything but video because mm. our focus is not video, is how do we build a platform that makes sense of video? And that's how mm. we sell Lifestyle. We said not, we're not here to replace Zoom. We sell something that is more in capacity to address those kind of events where you need control, landing pages, organization, integrations, and so on and so forth. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. Yeah, so, so I'm, uh, probably a slightly, I, I guess you could say, a more sophisticated customer. But then, in some respects, what you've done is you've made it simple, so they don't have to be sophisticated as such. It's just almost like they got maybe a little bit more complexity in question in features, but you're not making it complex. Absolutely, and we want to make something that's super easy to use. Typically, one one big differentiator is. In Zoom, if you want to host an event, let's say with like a traditional webinar event, you know, it takes organization. You have to build learning pages. You have to ask marketing for assets again to blah, blah, blah. So video, Zoom is typically a video pipe. It is great for collaboration or daily calls or one-on-one -on -one calls like we're doing now. But as soon as you require more organization, then you have to stitch it all together to make it work properly. And that takes like an hour, two hours, even a day, perhaps if you have multiple stakeholders. With Livestorm, and this is an actual data, it mm. takes less than eight minutes to set up an event from A to Z that has all the features built in. Nice. And that's that's what we sell. You know, simplicity, UX, and a platform that has everything out of the shelf. Mm. Mm. And it, and I had a quick look today, and it's like it's it's pretty good. Like you've got a lot of the you know the processes built out, so that like you know like the registration page looked pretty cool, and it was yeah. nice and simple to use. So I think that's the you know that's the trick nowadays because people have got more sophisticated what they need. Um, Absolutely. Time, I think, and yeah. 
Well, one, one thing that I always say is when you go to um, when you go to Instagram, you know, and you want to host a live stream on Instagram, you don't ask yourself, is Instagram going to, you know, um, be able to, uh, I mean, uh, how do I put it? I don't focus on what Instagram Live provides in terms of capacity. I just focus on the content that I want to produce, you know, and I ask myself, okay, what I'm, what type of content I'm going to stream? And on the B2B side, it is exactly the opposite. You just always think, okay, what the tools can provide in terms of features and then what kind of content can I build on top of that? And that's, that's I think, just wrong because mm. what, what I want to do is, and we saw that with the pandemic, I want people to focus on diversifying the use cases. Um, I want them to focus on the creating the content I want to create. If this is a video podcast or this is like a fireside chat or a webinar or a demo or whatnot, they don't have, they should not be focusing on the, on the features provided by the tools. The tools should adapt to the way, their way of working. And this is why we want to provide something that is extremely flexible from a, an event with 10 people up to something with 3,000 people and you know have multiple guests and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think simplifying and enabling people to create the content they want to create without you know uh, being having too much IT paradigm is, um, is something we're doing. And I guess there's a there's a groundswell of people now having to go to video that weren't going to video before, so they're they're really newbies in the in the game, and and you know they probably would struggle with a lot of these things in terms of creating events and that sort of stuff anyway. So it's certainly a I guess it's almost a blueprint or a framework for them to follow too. You kind of set in the scene. Absolutely, you're hundred percent right. Um, when when I think that I have like some really cool example um, when the lockdown happened, uh, the first one. Well, you know, there were tons of businesses, those guys, they didn't have the choice. You know, as I said, in French, they were like in front of the wall, they have to move forward. So they have to find a way to, to make it work. So typically when you work with insurances and big banks and whatever, those guys, they, they're not used to have, like, they're not tech savvy. They're not used to have like um, remote communication tools like we had. So they had to make the move. They made it. They went with Lifestorm or else or whatnot, whatever. And... They actually now are biggest users in terms of uh, diversity of use cases. For some reason, the constraint of having to move forward with Livestorm and actually find a way to keep the business going, mm. they kind of force themselves to find new use cases and ways to produce content. And since they have like a huge audience, both internally and externally, they made something like, um, they had like internal video podcasting, external podcasting, and they, do, they did some PR conferences with journalists using Livestorm and internal trainings. Even at, We even saw ones doing like um, recruiting sessions um, because they had, they had, they had to keep hiring, uh, mm-hmm. from a remote, uh, stand, standpoint. And, um, uh, it was, it was really amazing to see all those different use cases from a, from a, from a uh, company or industry that was definitely not in the mold of tech savvy companies using remote communications now. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's, that's kind of the beauty to see like, um, this kind of accelerated digital transformation, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Considering, yeah, it's probably launched this 10 years into the future in some cases. Some of these businesses have gone from, yeah. you know, they've said, oh, no, my employees can't work from home. Well, you know, it's not possible to, oh, you do have to work from home now. Oh, that's not too bad. It works pretty good now. Maybe we don't need them to Absolutely. come back to work, right? <laughs> so, oh. You know what? I actually heard that from one of the, one of the, 
I was going to say like VPs. I don't know if it was like a VP, but in say like executives from those typical banks and startups. I'm like, yeah, you know what? When John's, we're going to add more licenses because it turns out, you know, this remote work is actually working for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, said the company that for 20 or 30 or 40 years, we're like, no, you're not going to work from home. This is not working. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? This is So I think that this kind of psychological barrier that kind of, you know, exploded somehow. I mean, yeah. in, in Sydney now, we're in a lockdown and the, and the local government said that um, if you force an employee to work, go to work now during the lockdown, you'll be fined $10,000. Wow. Right? Oh, you guys, <laughs> you guys don't mess around. No. <laughs> Australians <laughs> like their fi- their fines, by the way, but it's it's kind of crazy. Like it's almost saying, you know, if you can, if you make, make someone go to work that couldn't work from home, then we're going to fine you $10,000. Like that's a lot of money to get fined for, you know, asking someone to come to work, right? Okay, I'm going to keep working in my underwear. That's fine. <laughs> exactly, right? So um, it's certainly if the government starts finding you for, for having employees at work, then that's kind of a bit of a worry, right? <laughs> wow, okay. Oh, I wish we did that. I yeah, mean, well, maybe you should encourage no. it. Like, this should increase business. It's a good business guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you can make some money out of fines. Or the way. Maybe take a cap on the fines, right? So, you mentioned the fines. <laughs> so... In terms of growth, right, you would have gone through the, I guess, a phase of, of that small employee count. What's what's your employee count look like now? Like, uh, you had a hundred percent plus. Uh, no, actually, not a hundred percent, hundred plus. So we went from thirty to one hundred thirty now. Right. So it was uh, again pretty, pretty, um, pretty fast growth in terms of headcount as well. You know, I think one of the first goal was to really structure and delegate. The foundation, you know, operational organizations. So typically, um, finance and legal and um, people management, HR and whatnot. So we need to delegate all that. Have a proper foundation. I was kind of into it uh, at, um, back in the days and managing all that, and I had, I had someone helping me. But you know, I had to focus on the moment which was scaling the company so i had to delegate that so basically all operations needed to be delegated so we hire all the legal people and finance team out of the spot so that was like a 20-ish people team mm-hmm. so that was that and then focusing on go to market so the second thing was focusing on go to market and specifically on the sales team sales team was really young i mean for uh, for the past five years, we had two funnels. We had one self-service. So typically it means that people pay by credit card and mm-hmm. you know they're on a monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera. And then we had a small team that we created in you know mid-2019. And we had more sales needs coming down the funnel. So we need to take care of that. But in 2020, obviously that funnel of sales lead kind of exploded. So we need more people to handle those bigger leads. So we had to scale this part and also focus on the different regions now. So out of a sudden, um, the sales team was five people-ish yeah, beginning of this year, beginning of last year. And now they are like 30, it should be 50 by the end of the year. So there was like the fastest growth in terms of headcount was on the mm-hmm. sales team. And obviously on the on the and on the on the product team, one thing that is also interesting is that all those operational um, stuff going on, you know, architecture management, monitoring, QA, testing, et cetera, et cetera, was pretty much handled by my CTO. But again, you need to focus on 
um, reliability on the roadmap, on the stuff that you know that was actually where he has most, most value of his time. So he actually created a team with DevOps, um, security, and so on. So to really delegate that to actually people that knew what they were doing mm-hmm. and much better than him. And uh, and you know, and then you just like, you know, you put your back, you just look in the mirror, and out of a sudden you're a hundred people plus. And because you hire all those all those teams, and you finally delegated, you're in a good you're in a good spot. You can really focus on the stuff that uh, where things matter. And then you look back, and there's like 130 people behind. It's like, wow, okay, that was fast. And, um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. And I um, mean, usually what happens in most organizations is like they go from like 20, 20 employees, they reckon they reckon like 21 is a, is a number that seems to change, and, all, and they reckon also 100. So there's probably a, there was a trigger point between the 100 and when you went above that, because it seems like there's certain levels of staff that, because you can only manage so many people, I think. In, 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 no, absolutely. Um, one thing that uh, I, I was really picky about, and I'm still picky about, is uh, I want to really keep this ratio of, Whenever you have one manager, you have to have maximum of five people in your team. Mm-hmm. Above five people, above five direct reports, you know you usually spend too much time doing management and not enough time focusing on the strategic things that you should be focusing on. Plus, usually you reach a point where you cannot actually do good management when you're above that threshold of five, six people managing. Mm-hmm. So we basically build the entire organization following this rule. The good side is that it actually works properly. The pods are, you know, everything is efficient. Uh, there is no, um, you know, actually we didn't have any hiccups or not not much, uh, not many hiccups from going from 30 to 130. But we see there is always like, you know, um, casting errors that you do along the way, but, you know, you actually realize that pretty soon in the process. So that's fine. But for the rest, you know, it was it was really good. I think uh, we had a lot of good feedback from managers and people being managed. I think that's pretty cool. The, um, I think the main downside is that it forces you to create to create layers really fast in your organization. You know, you have like middle management head off, then you have to create really fast those inter- uh, intermediate levels. But I think. I think it's working out for us so far. Um, you know, we are in capacity of scaling a sales team now up to 100, same thing for the support with the same type of organization. So I think we have some still, some good days still ahead of us in terms of uh, organization. So we'll see how that goes. So do you just keep growing staff? Like, is this the, the way that you grow or do you get to a point where you, you don't need to keep on laying on staff and the infrastructure will support itself and you don't need to keep on laying on additional people to handle it? No, that's that's a good question. Um, the the goal was to reach 150, 100, 170 by the end of this year, and I think once we pass that, I think it's important for everyone not to be in a state of a rocket ship all all the time. When you you know you you actually you know, come to the office door and you see like ten new people, I think at some point you need to let the dust settle. You know, um, you need like people to get to know each other, to actually um, uh, put the right processes in place to be more productive without, you know, having to do X many unboldings or whatnot. Mm. That's the, the, the important part. So, yeah. So I would say that past the certain numbers, you have to lay things down and then wait for a bit. And then as soon as you make more sense, then, yeah, you can start accelerating again, but you have to do this 
you know, kind of sinusoidal well, yeah, kind of. It's like a stock market in, in small business anyway. It's nothing. It's not absolutely small, like you can't. You know, it's all up all over the place, and you just got to go with a ride sometimes. But <laughs> so are they all in the, in your office? The, the majority of the staff, or are they are they remote working, or how does it how does it work there? Is there a percentage? Mm, no, we actually have. Uh, well, we still have our Paris offices. That's uh, around like uh, four thirty ish people, and that's pretty much what we have in Paris. Around thirty to forty. 40 people and if you count like uh, the the paris suburbs so outside of paris and uh, but for the rest they are pretty much everywhere in europe we have a good team in in the us or north america that is actually growing pretty fast and for the most uh, foreign places we have people in mauritius people in uh, benin and ethiopia yeah. so it's things as you know i think and we actually onboarded our first uh, person in australia so james is oh, based okay. in australia and took <laughs> care of that region for us so yeah this is um so pretty much going so the reasoning behind putting people in those locations is that for more of a corporate local market to to go after wouldn't this or is it to provide local support to that market is it what's the um so i think the only yeah the only time we actually thought about it this way was uh for australia um, not because we had that many customers in that region. We had some, obviously, but it was also more to have some kind of continuity for the European and North America market in terms of support and have mm-hmm. someone that could actually time zones you know, and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, yes, obviously, for North America, that makes sense to have people there on the ground selling because remote selling from europe uh to the us is a bit hard on the service service basis it works this is what we've been doing for you know historically but actual selling actual finding new customers and you know reaching out by phone about email is actually much better when it's done on the ground yeah yeah and in the in the local time zone too and, and obviously with people, absolutely yeah it, it, it just, there's no substitute for that i don't think at the end of the day like i think for sure you can't pretend to be somewhere that you're not. Like I know people do try, but <laughs> a few along the way they try to pretend they're not, you know they're somewhere else. But yeah, it's like eventually you're going to figure them out when you ask them a tricky question. So um, along the way, like the, did you have a lot of scenarios where your time management and your lifestyle, like you're pretty young, so I guess you don't really have a lot of commitments. So it's pretty easy for you to do this. Um, did you? Well, it's, uh... It was just too, See, that's, uh, too engaging in terms of the end of the day. You end up being <laughs> all these friends or what happened? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think my girlfriend will disagree with you. Um, <laughs> it is uh, it is time consuming. It is really time consuming. I mean, it's a really, uh, I mean, obviously it's an egoistic journey, right? Because mm-hmm. you you put things first. So we, I, always has, I always have to keep somewhere in the back of my head that I have to make sure to be there for that meeting, have that call coming up. I have a board meeting in the middle of um, in between vacations or whenever we want to work remote. Actually, one thing that we've started doing this year is start working remotely from different locations to kind of travel. But every time we do that, we have to focus on making sure we have enough bandwidth for um, calls and whatnot. And that's you know, it's a constraint. Obviously, it's a constraint. Uh, it has a lot of advantages because obviously, uh, it's um, from a career perspective, it is interesting. But uh, yeah, it, it must be it must be hell. You know, working uh, living with someone that has a company, uh, and even at my level, I mean, we, there are like tons of 
bigger size company, faster growth, even, and I cannot even imagine how that's for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a trade-off at the end of the day. Like, the thing is, though, if you're not, the cup's not like work at the end of the day, so it's almost like it can be 27 and it doesn't have to be. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) just put down tools. You know, an employee might say, okay, I'm going home now, that's it. But for you, your brain just takes home with you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Plus, you know, it doesn't doesn't leave your head, you know. um, And I think that's the the worst, you know, making sure you have, um, well, not making sure, try enough or try harder to create those mental barriers, you know, when you come home, you try not to, um, not to think too much about it or go on your phone too much or that kind of thing. And... And sometimes, you know, and sometimes it's uh, also the opposite. In Perhaps you want the person you live with to, you know, share what is happening during the day. But, you know, for you, sometimes you just don't want to do that. You don't talk about it anymore. It was, get home, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like a shitty day. I don't know, shitty investor meeting or yeah. something bad happened. Like, yeah. And, you know, and even the tiny things, they, can, they tend to um, really amplify like 10x. Mm. when you're in this like as a founder mm. so i remember that sunday i had like a really shitty month a shitty day because for some reason um you know that person didn't want to i mean we sent a proposal for hiring and they didn't accept it and you know if you if you look at it from an external perspective you're like yeah that happens every day man no, no, <laughs> fuck it you know that's life and i'm like no but this is super bad mm. and i i mean it's as if you know the company was going to go down because of that, you know, and I like, but so everything amplifies ten x, and you have to, I think you have to live with that, not show it too much, and sometimes it's just normal not to not wanting to talk about it, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, it comes with a price definitely. So tell me, what was the best piece of advice you ever gave yourself? Um, I think. It's, like, it's kind of related to the discussion we just had. Uh, I think the best piece of advice is, you know, is just I don't I don't know how to put it in um, in English, but basically, I would say, you know, it's gonna be okay. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, I think you know if you take some step back and look look at it the right way and really just try to lay down the table all different options of the things that can happen in the next few months, next few years. I think. There is a stronger probability that things go well than uh, probably that things go really bad. Hmm. You know, and I think and, the thing is too, I, I always reckon, you know, what will matter in 10 years' time? Will it matter in 10 years' time? And it, and very little does. <laughs> absolutely. And this is exactly the same the same thing that, that, I, that I apply. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you know that's, that's, that's fine. I think, yeah, I think you don't have to care about it so much. That's so true. that's probably the best advice. All right, and I, yeah, I think it's what you don't think about is what gets you, not what you think about, right? So it's stuff that gets you on left, you know, from left field. You never thought was coming at you is the stuff that gets you, not the stuff you thought about. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, it's. Uh, I think doing things like we did, and just like taking like month after month, a day after day, without you know putting too much pressure on how these things were going to become. Uh, if I knew that this was going to become what it is today, uh, starting back, you know, in college, I would probably get more afraid of that. Mm. And, you know, taking day by day, week by week, trying to, mm. you know, get the product a little better, get some of the process a little better every day. That's probably the solution for, you know, keep things down and keep 
things uh, don't get too far know, down to yourself. earth. <laughs> don't get, yeah, absolutely don't down to earth. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that you don't you should not have a vision or whatever or a dream of the things you want to build. But mm. you know, I think ninety percent of the time you should be down to earth and thinking about the next day or next week instead of you know. Next day, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, it's an interesting journey, and and um, and it's good to see that a you know company can kind of start up and still you know. <laughs> up to market that you know obviously you know people would think would overcrowded but i don't think that's the case in anymore i think everybody's there's opportunities and there's growth there as well so i really appreciate coming on the show i appreciate your time so your your software is livestorm.co did i get that right yeah that's here livestorm.co absolutely uh livestorm.com works now we have the .com domain and yeah Okay, cool. So I suggest you check it out because I'm quite impressed with it, and I think it's um, it shows a lot of maturity for a company that, that's only been around like five years or so. It certainly shows great maturity, and I think you know it really. Thank you so much. It's a fantastic job. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippanors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.